Hello and welcome back to the Growing Revolution Smart Podcast. My name is Eric with Smart Pot Fabric Planters, and uh, we've got another great guest lined up. His name is Dan Balma, and he's been in the uh, lawn and garden industry for a long time, even longer than me. And he's been involved in um, high country genetics, uh, garden products, outlaw country cannabis, uh, extreme gardening. So um, he's a good friend, and you know I'm always happy to see him at shows and uh, events. So without further ado, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks for being here. So first of all, what were you doing before you were working with Extreme Gardening, and then how did you end up uh, joining that ship? Um, prior to my time with RTI Extreme Gardening and what I'm doing now, I was a furniture and cabinet maker. Um, and I kind of had taken that path in high school, early in high school, um, had a really good program um, and teacher at my high, high school in Salinas uh, that really saw potential and guided me that way. And it was a really amazing, fulfilling career um, to be able to, you know, really um, build things and, and see things come to life from, you know, a pile of lumber. So it was a good time. But um, 2008, 2009, when we had that huge economic collapse, um, even the wealthy people I was working for in Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills, and, and that area of California stopped spending money. Um, some of the big projects we had lined up all got canceled or postponed, and um, I was really ready to kind of get out of Southern California, back home up here to Central California, Central Coast, California, Monterey area. Um, had some small kids. And me and my wife wanted to be closer to family, so we uh, we jumped back up here. And shortly after, I started working for RTI. I was friends of the family. Um, the daughter of Neil Anderson was a very, very close friend of mine, and her younger brother, John, was a friend who actually had lived and worked with me in Southern California on a lot of our projects. And he had come back up here and been working for his dad and, and getting things going at RTI. And really the the base building blocks of extreme gardening were just getting put together then. Um, and so with not a whole lot of work in the, the trades, um, I started actually in 2009, early 2010, helping them with their mycorrhizae crop and was really just on that side of, of the farming, the mycorrhizae. And also I was doing a lot of fabrication um, at their facility, building bins and such to feed product into machines. And, <clears throat> and then that rolled into um, the extreme gardening days. Oh, that's re that's really cool. I, I didn't know that you were kind of involved in the production side of things before or were involved in sales. So that, you know, gives you a good perspective and, um, you know, just helps you to, to sell the product better, no doubt. Yeah, no, I was, uh, being able to actually see the the beginning of how the, this fungus was being cultivated um, allowed me to really wrap my head around the product itself. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, so Extreme Gardening launched in, what, 2010? Was that when you guys started doing doing sales it was, hardcore? 
it was it was kicking in 2009. Uh, Ryan and John were were out in the very early stages, but 2010 was really when um, things started to kind of turn, and that's when I jumped on board, did a couple trade shows, really found that oh, I think I can go out and sell this stuff myself as well, and and so that's when John Ryan and I kind of became that that team of three that. Um, that went out and just got after my first sales trip was actually, um, in Michigan with Charles from smart pots. Um, he took me around and, and showed me the, the roots in Michigan. And, um, cause we had met at, I think it was maxi old long beach, um, in 2010. And he was like, Hey, I'm going to go do the sales trip. You should jump along and kind of get your feet wet. And that's really where I started. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like, um, you know, uh, extreme gardening and, and smart pots just kind of took off uh, in, in the indoor gardening scene kind of around the same time. And our companies have always had a really good relationship and a really good synergy. Um, you know, fabric pots and, you know, biologics just kind of go hand in hand. So it, it, it really it's was. It's always been a, a good match. Yeah. No, we... We were always backing each other up no matter where we went, you know, um, because there was such a, a beautiful synergy between the two. What was it like working for Extreme Gardening? Um, you know, I think people who aren't familiar with the industry aren't maybe don't know how busy it was a decade ago, just like a rocket ship. Man, it was I those are some wild times, you know, um, we were on the road nonstop. I mean, more days out of a month on the road than off, you know, if you had, um, a week, a month at home, that was good. Um, we were doing, you know, our, our normal week, our daily visits. Um, and then, Weekends were usually spent at vendor days, customer appreciation events, um, all the different trade shows that were scattered in there. I was nonstop and it was a nonstop, you know, it was, it was 190 miles an hour and just kind of figuring out where you were going at the very last second, you know, get home, dump your suitcase into the washing machine get it out of the dryer, back into the suitcase, back in the truck. Um, and, it, you know, it was a few years of just nonstop. And I lost some time with my kids in, in the earlier days. But it also, I think, was really, and I kept telling myself and my wife, you know, like this is for to build something that's going to pay us back. And I think it really yeah. has. Yeah, when, when you're in an industry that's just, you know, it, kind of in its infancy and just taken off, it's like if you don't put in that work, you know, you'll get left in the dust by other companies. So, yeah, I, I yeah. you know, for us, definitely we're on the road a lot less than we used to. And because we built that foundation and now there's so many other things we can do from home, um, you know, that's kind of where we're focusing. We're still oh, yeah. on the road quite a bit, but um, not nearly as much. Thank God. Not like that. 
Um, so you've been to a ton of customer appreciation days. Are there any uh, stores that stand out in your mind as being like just epic or like any like funny stories to go along with them? I know there's there's probably more than we can even remember, but I wanted to pick your brain. Yeah, and most of them, most of them need to stay. <laughs> uh the stories between the friends that they're between but um you know there was there were a few guys that really did it well i think brian out at um you know full scale in clovis really always threw a good event that you know was very um community involved um in the early days they were really great i think and they've all kind of blurred together for me at this point because we really were like just so many all at the same time i mean when we were all as a group travel i mean how many days were i mean on every any given weekend we had eight ten twelve different people at at events you know um and so there were some great ones and then i feel like it almost got to be a little bit played out and that it got to be too much and it really was uh redundant and the point of it was kind of lost um the customers you were you're doing all these events in in the same areas at different stores and you just started to see the same people over and over and over again to come get free stuff and you realized i'm no longer creating sales here i'm just feeding a small little system of people that just want the freebies. Um, and you know, those, those events, they cost the company and us time and money, you know, and it was, you know, it was a, a lot to, to put out there to really not be seeing any more return. Um, so yeah, there I were some great ones. I some mean, of them obviously had a better, Oh, so some of them had a better return on investment than others, definitely. Yeah, and then, you know, once everybody in the same area kept doing them over and over again, it's like how, like, the community that's that's in this is only so big. And the guys that are really, you know, on the hill or in the warehouse really doing the, the work that and what, where we wanted to be, they weren't coming out. You know, and I get it. The stores were having a great time because it's like a big party for them. And they kind of, you know, it's like their annual um, shindig and it got everyone, you know, to their shop all at once. And it's a great time. I mean, we obviously had some amazing parties and, and we were all even with, you know, even with our competitive uh, companies, we still all were there having a good time. Um you know, and, and everyone just trying to work together. So pretty, pretty yeah, wild. It was, it, it was in, in, I equated it to like a traveling circus, you know, like every weekend you kind of saw the same uh, companies, the same reps and yeah, you know, they're your competitors in a lot of regards, but I always had it in the back of my mind, like, you know, if anything happened to the company that I was working for, I want to have a great relationship with these other people because they might be my future coworkers, bosses, you know, um, or they might, you know, point me in the right direction to, to another opportunity. So yeah, these are all know, competitors and friends at the same time. They're all relationships that at some point can be valuable, you know, and that's kind of how where I'm at now is like, all right, you know, you spent this decade, more than a decade now 
um, networking and building relationships. And you know that if something happens today or tomorrow with what I'm doing, there's always a few other, you know, directions to go and people to call. Um, and it's, it, it creates that safety net that, um, makes really ever all that grinding worth worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope to be with high caliper, you know, hopefully until I retire, Mm -hmm. but if the factory burnt down tomorrow, like I'm pretty confident that, you know, get a job with somebody else, uh, pretty quick. It's, it's a good niche to be in. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so you left extreme to basically start selling green cleaner. Can you talk about how that all came about? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were running hard with extreme. It really had kind of, you know, sunk its roots into the industry. Mycos and Azos were pretty much a staple at that point for most growers. Um, and you know, little opportunities start, you know, coming around as, as we're just talking, you're networking and meeting people and, and things pop up. And, um, Johnny had started, had, had, um, popped up a store here in town, you know, garden supply and gentleman that was making green clean at the time, Mark Carlin, you know, came into the shop and was trying to peddle his pest control. And our manager, Kyle took it in said, Oh, well, you know, we'll give it a shot and kind of sat around for a while. Um, no one really understood it. Uh, and then started giving it out to some of the better customers, just say, Hey, you know, you want to give this stuff a try, started getting some really positive reviews. So, um, we gave it to, to Dusty and Dusty had the high country farm up in Covalo at the time. It was growing a lot of large scale cannabis and, uh, he came back raving, uh, just that, you know, he'd never seen a mite spray, uh, fungicide all in one kind of deal that, that actually killed the bugs, controlled the PM and, and did it safely without leaving, you know, any crazy residuals. Um, and so we, we kind of piqued our attention a little bit more, um, started having some conversations with Mark and, you know, saying, look, we've got this distribution platform figured out with sunlight supply and hydro farm. Um, we we're running all the sales routes. We can really take you from making 10 gallons at a time in your garage and hitting your few shops in the central Valley and maybe getting into Sacramento to, to a nationwide brand. Um, so he agreed that he wanted to work with us. Um, at first it was kind of a slow transition. Um, you know, we were all still trying to do extreme, uh, and, and keep that, that ship sailing. So it was, you know, first get the warehouse, get the manufacturing facility set up for green cleaner. Um, and then slowly Ryan transitioned out of extreme, um, became just an independent rep for them. And then, at the end of 2014, we really, um, we had gotten distribution with sunlight supply set up and it was really starting to take off. And we realized that the business was going to need to be seriously ran. 
Um, and so I stepped down from my position at RTI and came over to uh, Central Coast Garden Products to be president and CEO of the company as well as a co-owner. Um, and I haven't looked back since they like I, my official start date was January 1st, 2015, but I was already way into it well before then. So been here since then. Um, and it's, it's been incredible. Yeah. The, it, it seemed like a nice, you know, lateral move with a lot of upward, um, potential. Cause yeah, from, you know, being a rep to the, to the boss of the company. So it was, it yeah. was like, for me, it was the move that needed to happen because I was kind of getting a little worn out. My kids were at an age where I really wanted to be around more and it, it did give me the ability to be off the road, still being highly effective and working in the industry, um, but be able to coach a base, you know, a little league baseball team and be there for the events that were important, you know, as a parent. <laughs> yeah, I back when we first met, you know, I, I didn't have any kids and I had my first kid uh, so much and not seeing them. So um that that's cool that you were able to you know stay in the industry but you know still step back a little bit and take care of the fam central coast garden has uh, other products besides uh green cleaner yeah. what are you guys all selling these days we've uh we've you know added a few things to our arsenal um root cleaner came shortly after um green cleaner really took off we had in conversations with customers at shows and, and other places um, realized people were starting to use green cleaner as a um, media treatment, uh, soil, cocoa, any, any root zone treatment, because, you know, there's plenty of bugs that live in the soil and media as well. Um, especially the, the broad and russet mites were known for, bedding their eggs in the top crust of the soil and that really being a source that people were kind of missing when they were trying to get after treatments on those. Um, but we felt that maybe there was a, a formulation that might better suit a root drench application. So we, we played with the, the formulation of green cleaner, all the same ingredients, just different ratios of things. And the, the big one was, is we reduced the oil content. The soybean oil in that solution doesn't need to be as heavy because you really don't want to get that oil buildup in the root zone. Um, so we dialed back on the oil, bumped the, the alcohol up a little bit to kind of help with evaporation and make sure that things aren't staying too saturated. Um, and it's it's been a great product for root aphids, thrips, anything that's really creating a problem below the surface. Um, and after that, um, I've, I've added some pH adjusters. We just do straight 99.9% isopropyl alcohol. Those two products came from us owning the garden supply store here. Um, we took that over in 2016 and we had customers coming in just wanting those raw materials. Um, the pH adjusters came from everyone wanting advanced nutrients, pH up and down, um, but we weren't carrying advanced nutrients. And so I had a an ag chemist friend of mine take the product. I was like, what is it? He said, it's this, this, and this, or it's really just phosphoric acid. <laughs> 
And so we we just went ag grade straight as strong as we could. And, and you know, it was easy for us to, to we got the facility um, to bottle and label. And so those products came from just a, a retail need at our own garden supply here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, slowly I've taken on a little bit of uh, distribution for a few guys, um, two companies out of England, um, Grow Genius, which has a really amazing monosilicic acid. Um, it's really unlike anything anybody's seen. Um, I know that monosilicic is really quite a hot topic in cannabis cultivation these days. Um, and what we're seeing with this product is just a much cleaner, stronger, um, more of really affordable delivery than what's previously been available in monosilicic acid. The power SIs, the facilitors, um, those products for their technology, for the time, it was great, but we've really, we're moving on. And those are very, very dated technologies that only allow you to deliver one to maybe 4% of a monosilicic acid in stabilization. Um, the guys that at Grow Genius are, are producing a 40% um, yeah, th- those numbers are acid. just crazy. How I, I mean, can you explain how it's that high without, I guess, giving away the farm? It's it's just they're they're they found the way with their techniques, their technology to hold that monosilicic acid at that rate um, without adding boron or molybdenum. Um, so you're not adding the heavy metals to to get that stabilization. Um, it's a very clean product. It's pH neutral, which is unheard of with silica products. Um, so you could add a, it at any time. Because normally I add the silica first and then everything else. Yep this this doesn't matter. Um, it won't. Wow. It won't create any lockup in the tank. It won't create any. It won't fall out. Um, it's just it goes against what everyone thought of silica additives. You know, (laughs) and and on top of that, it's 40 times stronger and cleaner. Um, It's really an amazing product um, that we've been really excited about. We've been pushing it about two years. The pandemic, I think, kind of slowed things down a little bit. Just launching new products is always, um, you know, you got an uphill battle for a couple of years, no matter what, no matter how amazing they are. Yep. So, yep. but there's that, um, they've also got a product that we're working with called water genius. Um, it's an Omri listed organic product. Um, it's a, it's an adjuvant that actually helps farmers reduce their water needs. Um, it's an organic oil that's modified to help lock water into the root zone, mobilize nutrient and actually helps with oxygen levels as well. Um, so another amazing product that, that goes well with smart pots. Actually, I've been doing a lot of testing in my backyard, um, and everything I grow is in, in smart pots. So I've seen a lot of really cool benefits to this product and, and the smart pot system, um, being able to, you know, kind of get yourself a little more time between waterings, um, when you get, I like to let, I've been letting things get really dry, um, to see how far I can push it. And when you get the hydrophobic 
crust of the soil and the the soil starts pulling away from the side of the bag. Um, when you've been treating with this water genius product, you don't get that, that runoff down the sides and out the bottom of the pot. It actually will still penetrate the top, top crust and actually, even I, when you it's almost bone dry. See... Wow. Yeah. It's, I'll, I'll, I need to take some video and, and send it to you guys so you can see like, this stuff is pretty cool. Uh, they're seeing in Spain and strawberry farms them being able to use 50% less water and get actually better output. I'm I mean, all for it. Yeah. I mean, in California especially, I've been trying to get it into the hands of, like, you know, some serious commercial farmers uh, because I think it's important. They're all being, you know, cut back on water. It's a, It's a serious situation here, and... Um, I think more attention needs to be brought to these types of products. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the water situation in California doesn't seem to be improving anytime soon. So, yeah, it's just crazy no. to hear farmers like saying, well, I can't get the water I need this year, so I'm just not going to plant or, you know, I'm going to let my orchard just die off. That's um, that's not the answer. So hopefully water no. genius uh, can be brought more to the masses there. Nice. Um, so how did Outlaw Cannabis come about and how does that fit in with high country genetics? And, and then how are you in the mix in, in all of that? So Dusty and I, um, high country genetics, he obviously was a, a big piece of putting smart pop smart pots on the map um, in cannabis growing. Uh, I was kind of the, the guy that found that little gem in the nursery world and, and shone the light on it with cannabis farmers. Um, he's yep. a partner in Central Coast. Uh, obviously, he had done a lot of the initial testing that um, got us interested in really pursuing it and became a partner immediately. Um, so he and I have been best friends for quite a few years now. And I became a partner in High Country Genetics, um, his his seed company. And then, you know, just over time, you know, our love for country music, um, dive bars and, and, and finding the, you know, the really amazing artists that really maybe aren't well known and just cannabis and good music was kind of the way Outlaw Country Cannabis came about. Um, you know, obviously, We've got an outlaw spirit. We've done things our way for a long time without really trying to wanting to follow anybody's rules. And there's a amazing, you know, music scene out there that isn't being played on the radio. Um, and they all love cannabis. You know, I, I like to say that hip hop and reggae and, and all these forms of music really have had the cannabis community around them for a long time, but country music, I mean, it's been Willie Nelson and that's it. Um, and so we really kind of wanted to start maybe having more artists uh, get out there and we wanted to kind of be a brand that would have that handout to them to say, hey, if you ever want to do anything with, you know, we can we can create some products, um, but more or less just really our passion for for that scene. Um, and it's, it's brought us, you know, together with some amazing artists. Um, 
and been able to do some cool things. And it's, it's still in its infancy. Um, you know, I'm, I run the Instagram page and I just try and have fun with it. It's not too serious. Um, just kind of highlight our, our wild times and, and our love for the plant. Um, so high country genetics is still going to, you know, we're going to start some new breeding projects here, I think pretty soon. So we'll be, we'll be as, as we get through these weird times in the industry, I think you'll start to see a little bit more out of those two companies. Yeah. I, you guys are all about work hard and play hard. And, uh, Dusty was telling me kind of a cool story about how you guys like won a chance to like get on Sirius XM with, I think it was Shooter Jennings. Was was that who it was? Shooter. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you guys just blazed him out and it was a so, really good time. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a charity um, auction deal that I'd found. Um, and so I, you know, I helped out a charity. We got the opportunity to go down to Hollywood and go to the, the Sirius XM studios down there, which was amazing. Um, and we sat in the studio with Shooter and a couple of his buddies for a few hours and just talked music and weed. And um, yeah, we, Dusty still had the Covalo farm and it was, I think, November. So he had just, you know, pulled down some really nice full term. Um, I think we had some pineapple. We had, we had all the high country flavors, pineapple preserves, um, indigo daydream, candy apple. And we had jars. We, we got them ripped out of their minds. Um, and that was a great, great experience to do an XM a radio show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, honestly, I didn't grow up with country music so, so much. I was brought into it by my girlfriend, but I've, I've come to love it. And yeah, it seems like country music is more and more starting to embrace cannabis and, you know, as they should, I mean, they've been talking about whiskey and beer for decades and decades. And honestly, cannabis is way safer than alcohol. So, you know, hundred percent, why not? Yeah, no, and, and, you know, they just, most of the states that country music is really, you know, known for where the artists come from, and um, they've been so strict True. that it's, you know, they really couldn't be out there with it. Mm-hmm. You know, Willie Nelson was just a, he didn't give a crap. He's like, no, this is, this has saved my life. This is what I'm about. He didn't care. But a lot of people didn't have the luxury of, you know, taking that stance. So it's been very, very low key for a long time. And now it's starting to become so mainstream that I think there's opportunity for, for people to finally be like, this is life changing. You know, like I think everyone's really starting to see the mental health benefits, um, the physical health benefits as well. Just again, you know, we all love our, our beer and our whiskey, you know, and we've definitely, um, partook (laughs) way more than necessary. And, but I realize also that, you know, those things are extremely harmful. Um, and I, I, there definitely isn't the risk involved in cannabis as there is with alcohol. Certainly not. Certainly not. Um, so having been in the game for over a decade, what's changed the most about our industry? since you got into it? I mean, 
the legalization aspect has really flipped this thing upside down. Um, yeah. And you would you would have hoped it would have been for better. I mean, there are some positive things that have come from it. Obviously, like we were just talking about being able to be out in the open with it. Um, obviously, when I started working for Extreme, and maybe even when you were you know starting with Smart Pots. Uh, we were still talking about growing tomatoes. Yeah, you'd get kicked out of like, a store if you brought up cannabis. You you didn't say cannabis, marijuana, weed. It was tomatoes. Um, even the phone calls at the office, when we were in the office taking calls, doing customer service, someone called and you know started talking. It was like, hey, we're just gonna we're gonna refer to it as tomatoes, okay? <laughs> Um, and so there's, there's that, that we can definitely be out there now. And all those, all the trade shows and everything are cannabis focused and marketed. Um, but I mean, look at the way the California cannabis industry is right now. Um, it was, it was destined for failure. Um, prop 64, just, I mean, if you don't have, tens of millions of dollars in reserve to weather the storms that have come and are still coming. It's a tough road. And um, it's kind of sad to go up to the Emerald Triangle these days. Mendocino, Humboldt, Trinity are not the vibrant, bustling communities that I remember. And, you know, those communities have been doing their thing for long before I ever came around. Um, and I really have a high level of respect for that. And what I came into and what I was brought into out there with the people from those communities was, you know, this is our livelihood and this was building those communities and they were amazing and that they really, they're feeling it now. And that's, I think that's what that it hurts. You feel it you know, to go up there and see how people are struggling because they couldn't get through this legalization process. Um, it's, it's taken the heart out of what we fell in love with, with that community, you know, like that was like, this is where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird dichotomy because at the same time, we all knew that, you know, in some respects, this would be where we would end up once legalization happened. But I think, you know, I, I was dreading it. Uh, Axes were way too high. It's going to crush, you know, the legacy market. And, you know, like you said, um, Garberville and Redway used to be like, you know, kind of thriving, upbeat places. And every time you go back there, it just kind of looks, you know, lower and lower as that money that used to be supporting those communities is now funneled into corporations and God only knows where they're based out of, not Humboldt. So it's, it's not there. Yeah. Um, even Covalo, you know, where Dusty was, um, with the farms, um, it's kind of out there. Same thing, you know, just one of those, you know, Mendocino mountain towns that as, as outlaw as it always was, it had an energy and that energy has gone. Um, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. I'm, I'm with the, I'm with you there. Um, all right, let's talk about something fun. Uh, what's your favorite part of our industry? 
I think our community, I mean, our love for this plan, I've, you know, been smoking pot since I was 12 years old. And I knew then I was like, there's more to this than all these bad stories I've been told in school. I just knew, you know, and, um, and I, I did, you know, throughout high school, I found this little community of people that we were the stoners, you know, and, um, but there was just love and, and, you know, I still know most of those people today. And, um, you know, when I was building cabinets, I wasn't involved in the, the cannabis industry, you know, that was coming together then. But once I did step over, um, it's just been, you know, it, it really is an amazing community uh, of people that just are doing this because they believe in a plant. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> it's this plant that everyone understands, you know, can do so much for us. Yeah. 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 It's an, it's an amazing plant. And I would have to agree. I think my favorite part about this industry is the people uh, that are involved in it the people that I've known for years and then also the people that, you know, I meet that I've never met before. It's just, uh, yep. it's, it's rare that you meet somebody that you're like, Oh, wow. I hope I never run into that person again. It's like, usually it's There's like, a few. that person's really cool. <laughs> I hope I see them all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it, no, it's, this has given me, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Um, I said, I was just going to say this, this, path has given me the opportunity to travel the world and meet people all over the place and build relationships, you know, and, and like you said, most of the time you just meet amazing people that you want to get to know better and, and see what that relationship will become. Yeah. So kind of wrapping things up, Dan, what do you do when you're not uh, working and doing, you know, central coast and, you know, whatever else? I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about it. I'm a dad. Um, I like to be involved in my kids. So I do coach baseball, um, take them to their, their events. Um, I love to golf. I love to get out in nature, go fly fishing, um, love food. So we do cook a lot at home and I'm not, I'm not a highly active social person when I'm at home. I like to just kind of office home, um, kind of thing so uh keep it pretty low-key here i do love going and seeing live music so that's kind of the one uh thing that will get me out of the house is to go see a good show meet meet new bands i love to you know bring cannabis for them that we've grown or that i have friends that have grown and really just you know say hey here this is from us. You know, we know you're at, they, those guys grind the road just as hard, if not harder than we did when we were really running the routes. And, um, I understand that lifestyle. So I like to take care of them when they're in town and, and just go see live music. So those are a few things. I, I, if I was a band, if I was in a band and someone pulled up with a jar of, uh, some top shelf, I, I would quickly welcome that person. And, uh, what what better way to to meet friends, it, right? It's rare we get turned away. <laughs> and if you get turned away, it's probably for the best. They weren't that cool to be. Yeah. Kind of. No. Nice. 
Um, well, on that note, Dan, you know, I didn't want to take up your whole day with this interview, but honestly, it's been really great uh, catching up with you and, and seeing you. Um, I hope to run into you uh, at a couple of trade shows uh, this fall. So um, on that note, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll be looking forward to, to seeing you around soon. Right on, Eric. It's been a pleasure. We could talk for hours more, I'm sure. We could do a few more episodes for sure. But we'll see you yeah. soon. Right on, bro. Good to see you. Likewise. All right. Take care.